Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 15th, 2009. And the next uh, little article we're looking at is from CNBC, <clears throat> entitled The dollar, dollar Will Utterly Be Destroyed, Global Currency and New World Order. This is from November 6th of this year. The dollar will be utterly destroyed and become virtually worthless, says Damon Vickers, chief investment officer of Nine Point Capital Partners. Now, this is what they let they let this get out on a mainstream news outlet, CNBC. Part of the reason I put it up here, to, to let you understand that um, this is what they're telegraphing here. Due to the huge wage disparities between United States and emerging markets like China, Vickers said that may resolve itself in some type of global currency crisis. If the global currency crisis unfolds, then inevitably you will get an alignment of world, global world government, a new global currency, and a new world order. So we may be moving fast towards that. And you can actually go to the CNBC website and view it. I'm going to go ahead and play this um, for our little clip here. Okay, so without further ado, here's this clip. We're back with Damon Vickers, Chief Investment Officer, Nine Points Capital Partners, staying with us live out of uh, Seattle, uh, Washington. Uh, Damon, you guys are uh, a hedge fund, and what you guys basically do is uh, you try and catch breaks either to the up or downside. Uh, apparently, with oil, also with gold, you've uh, done the timing pretty right, God, and just as it started to uh, oil up past 75, gold past uh, 1,000. Are you going to sit on those positions then? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, there's, this is, this is, you know, this is, I mean, you can think a lot about it and you can, you know, you know, you know, one day and, and, you know, have all these vacillations psychologically, but, you know, this is the time to, you know, to play ping pong, to, you know, uh, pick up on, you know, get involved in model making or, or, uh, or something ridiculous. I mean, it, it, this is the time where you make money where the trend develops. And so there's really not a lot to do with it. I mean, oil looks higher, gold looks higher, currencies look weaker, all for the reasons that we talked about before. I mean, you've got huge wage disparities. I don't know how that inevitably resolves itself. Um, it may resolve itself in some type of a, of a global currency crisis. And then if the global currency crisis unfolds, then inevitably you get, uh, I guess, an alignment under a, a global world government. Uh, a new global currency um, and a new world order. Uh, wow. I mean, that guy just flat out came out and just said it all. I mean, totally confirming the Bible as well. But, I mean, again, this is a guy that's being interviewed on CNBC, uh, Damon Vickers, Chief Investment Officer of Nine Points Capital Partners. He's, he's not making any bones about it. Uh, so, we may be moving towards that. Talk to us a little bit more about this uh, currency crisis you see uh, erupting. What does that assume about what's going to happen to the dollar? Well, it, it assumes that the dollar will utterly get destroyed and become <laughs> virtually worthless. You know, we have a, a combined, well, I mean, here, here's what we know. We know that, that, that if, if you can produce something, that this, this, <laughs> this game that we have going on in the United States and on a planetary basis cannot perpetuate itself Forever, we've got a sixty-five trillion dollar negative net worth. We cannot possibly meet with our health care costs and our, our, you know, our indulgent society, which which we'd have in the United States. We can't put that against the labor, the unit labor cost of a China that can produce something at a dollar an hour versus twenty-four dollars an hour with health benefits and, 
you know, all the all that that's building. But the China is unfortunately slave labor, which is essentially what they would like to bring us in America to as well. Into there. So how does that inevitably resolve itself? Well, so you're saying, the US, itself so you're saying the U.S. needs a softer, weaker, more competitive uh, dollar, uh, partly because of this whole wage disparity. But then again, overnight we have the productivity numbers out, 9.5%. I mean, that makes up for a lot, although at yeah. that kind of rate, it's probably not sustainable. <laughs> Yeah, it's not sustainable. It's yeah. a great number, and I, I, we love to see people productive. I mean, let's get going. I love it. But how do you I, how do you how do you create a global marketplace so that everybody benefits? So that the, the standard of livings are not so great. So that you don't have this mad rush to deplete the world's resources, which is kind of what we have now. And again, this sounds like Copenhagen, where the standard of living isn't so great, and where we don't. You know, he's using a lot of new world order buzz, buzzwords like sustainability, and global governance, new world order. I mean, this guy is absolutely on the payroll for you know the uh, the uh, Illuminati. It sounds like. What are the what are the, the initiatives that have to be carried through? And the Western economies, the United States, Europe, Canada, they don't. We don't have resources. Neither does a lot of Asia, to be quite frank. So yeah. I don't know how I don't know what they're going to do with all the holder all of all those reserve dollars. Um, but we see that the, that the currencies that have resources, the Brazils, the, the Canadas, the uh, uh, where else? I mean, Australia, that their currencies are doing well. Their stock markets have done the best year to date because they have stuff. They've got resources. Mm. They export real things, and the United States ex- exports promises and, and, and pretty paper. Listen, Damon, we got to go. You, you have yourself a great weekend. Damon Vickers, uh, Chief Investment Officer, Nine Points Capital Partners, live out of Seattle. Okay, so that was pretty in-your-face. Uh, I, I haven't heard uh, as much of a thing that's in-your-face as that lately. Uh, he's not mincing words whatsoever, and this is somebody in the know that's being very matter-of-fact about what is coming. Now, the next article is going to be... Um, We're going to shift gears a little bit here. This is, To Whom Does Obama Owe His Allegiance? And um, we're going to find that out in a second. Okay, so this is our beloved President Obama. Muslim man, socialist guy. This is him making some statements to... uh, this. I don't believe any of these statements took place in the United States, but these are ones where he's clearly in some type of conference setting, at different conference settings, making these blatant statements. So let's hear some of this right now. Many other Americans have Muslims in their families or have lived in a Muslim-majority country. I know because I am one of them. But my father came from a Kenyan family that includes generations of Muslims. As a boy, I spent several years in Indonesia and heard the call of the Azan at the break of dawn. I have known Islam on three continents before coming to the region where it was first revealed. That experience guides my conviction. You're absolutely right that John McCain has not uh, talked about my Muslim faith. Okay, now you heard that. that He said flat out, it's my Muslim faith. He is a Muslim. He will always be a Muslim. Becoming a Muslim isn't something you just kind of like go in and out of. You either are or you aren't. It's it's a very... um, radical, obviously, religion, and I've done several teachings on it in exposing literally the, the hypocrisy of 
this Muslim Islamic religion that says they're a religion of peace, but they are the farthest thing from a religion of peace that you could ever be. And all you have to do is go up to my search box on my homepage on sermonaudio.com forward slash Dr. Scott Johnson, uh, and you will find that out. It's D-R-S-C-O-T-T-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. This next clip is from a 2007 interview with the New York Times. Obama recited a Muslim call to prayer in perfect Arabic accent, and then went on to say that the Muslim call to prayer was the prettiest sound on earth. I beg to differ. Quotes from the Quran by Obama. As the Holy Quran tells us, the Holy Quran teaches that, the Holy Quran tells us, and the Holy Quran also says... The Quran is anything but holy. And in this teachings that I've done, you've, uh, I've read very many verses from the Quran where it talks about beheading, slaying, killing the infidels. And an infidel is just somebody who's a non-believer in the Muslim faith. The Muslims worship Allah, who is the moon god. He's not the god of the Bible. It's Allah, the moon god. Okay, it's just another uh, of the false, fallen, angel, fallen angelic deities that have been worshipped throughout the centuries. Now, Obama praises and glorifies Islam. In this next clip here. We will convey our deep appreciation for the Islamic faith, which has done so much over the centuries to shape the world. I would like to speak directly to the people and leaders of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Their great and celebrated culture. Over many centuries, your art, your music, literature, and innovation have made the world a better and more beautiful place. We know that you are a great civilization, and your accomplishments have earned the respect of the United States and the world. I also know civilization's debt to Islam. Huh. Our debt. Our debt to Islam. Uh, it, this is just incomprehensible that this devil is at the head of our government. Um, but this is unfortunately the reality. It was Islam at places like Uluzan that carried the light of learning through so many centuries, paving the way for Europe's renaissance and enlightenment. It was innovation in Muslim communities that developed the order of algebra our magnetic compass and tools of navigation, our mastery of pens and printing, our understanding of how disease spreads and how it can be healed. Islamic culture has given us majestic arches and soaring spires, timeless poetry and cherished music, elegant calligraphy, and places of peaceful contemplation. Lies. They have fought in our wars, they have served in our government, they have stood for civil rights, they have started businesses, they have taught... As civil rights? Like the rights of their women who are beyond oppressed? I mean, the fruit of this ungodly, sick, twisted religion... I just If you just look at that one document I have on, on the Muslims, um, if you key in Muslim and you go to the PDF for anyone where I've talked about it, it will give you page after page after page of the oppression, of the hypocrisy, of this fear-based devil religion. 
I think this religion is one of the worst on the on the planet because of the hypocrisy that it puts out. They say we're a religion of peace, and it's the last thing that it is. It's based on lies and deception. And if all of the Muslims were being true to their faith, they would every one of them would be strapping on nail bombs or whatever bomb that they could conceive and running into cafes and blowing people up. Because that is what the Quran tells them to do. It tells them to slay the infidel, to kill the Jews, to, you know, annihilate their enemies, to lie to them, to do whatever it takes in order to advance Islam. That is the tenets. But see, they're not being true to their Muslim faith. It would be like a lukewarm Christian not being true to the Bible. People that say that, that Islam is a religion of peace aren't reading their Quran or they're being just absolutely openly, flagrantly um, deceptive about it. Because if they were true to the Quran, they would all be wanting to um, uh, be martyrs and, and you know go to be with Allah and the 67 virgins or whatever it is. Our universities, they've excelled in our sports arenas, They've won Nobel Prizes, built our tallest building, and lit the Olympic torch. And when the first Muslim American was recently elected to Congress, he took the oath to defend our Constitution using the same Holy Quran. In ancient times and in our times, Muslim communities have been at the forefront of innovation and education. Now Obama will defend Islam in this next clip. Islam is not part of the problem in combating violent extremism. It is an important part of promoting peace. What a lie and an abomination from the pit of hell that this liar spews forth. And again, all you have to do is look at the Quran and look at its verses to know that he is an absolute liar. Why? Because Obama is of his father, the devil, and of his works he will do. He was a liar from the beginning. And Obama is one of the biggest liars that has ever walked the planet. The enduring faith of over a billion people is so much bigger than the narrow hatred of a few. In the United States, rules on charitable giving have made it harder for Muslims to fulfill their religious obligation. That's why I'm committed to working with American Muslims to ensure that they can fulfill zakah. It is important for Western countries to avoid impeding Muslim citizens from practicing religion as they see fit. Well, the, the religion as they see fit involves beheading us. It involves destroying the infidel. So, you know, that's okay. Evidently, their expression of free religion is that very thing. And if you go to these third world, or these, these um, Muslim-dominated countries, you can find that out very quickly. You see what goes on over there, and the rules by which they live, you know, that's the way it goes. And, and the nations that they let come in, England being the, the greatest example currently, they're taking over. They're absolutely taking over, over there, to a certain extent. And I consider it part of my responsibility as President of the United States to fight against negative stereotypes of Islam wherever they appear. So he would rather defend Islam than defend America. Now he's going to 
We are no longer a Christian nation. We do not consider ourselves a Christian nation. The United States has been enriched by Muslim Americans. Since our founding, American Muslims have enriched the United States. Islam has always been a part of America's story. Yeah, yeah, that was that was there back in 1776 when they signed that. That we had half the signers were all Muslims. I don't know if you guys knew that. That was little known fact in history. Now I'm just kidding. But it, it's the lies this man brings forth is just unbelievable. Again, this is stuff that's suppressed in the media, but stuff that he said, and he's blatantly stated that we are not a Christian nation. Now I couldn't really really argue with him on that point. But it's the premise, you know, it's, it's the whole um, premise by which he's coming. He's really seeking to elevate the Muslim, uh, the, the, the abominable faith of the Muslims, of, of Islam, over any vestige of Christianity in America and or worldwide. There is a mosque in every state in our union, and over 1,200 mosques within our borders. You know, one of the points I want to make is is that if you actually took the number of Muslims, Americans, uh, you know, we'd be one of the largest Muslim countries in the world. Let there be no doubt, Islam is a part of America. This is Obama bows before he a Muslim king. He did bow king. to the Muslim king while he did not do it to the British Queen of England. And by bowing, he showed the world that I am subservient. I do owe... A- I mean, and this was a big bow. You can... I'll have this link up there. And you could see this bow that, that he gives to this um, uh, Arab guy. Bow down to you as a Muslim king, something no other uh, president has done with Saudi Arabia. The Saudi king is his peer. He is not his subordinate in order to bow for him, and this is exactly what Obama did. Usually it is out of respect that someone would nod his head when bowing to royalty and the ladies will give curtsy. But Obama went beyond what is required as a head of state and bowed to the Saudi king, and that's unacceptable. Right, it sent the wrong symbol. What will you say it's saying? It sends the wrong signal. What signal do you think it sends? It sent a message that Islam is superior to any other master or king or president in the world. That an American president bound to a Muslim king. It also sent a message that terrorism and jihadism is giving Islam the respect it, it should have on the world stage to the point that it made an American president for the first time in history bow to a Muslim king. Obama, now they're going to show pictures of him in traditional Muslim dress. This was younger pictures of him. And he's fully got the full garb going on. I mean, now Obama visits a mosque. And in this particular clip, they're just showing, this is in Istanbul, Turkey, and they're showing him touring this mosque, and he's looking up, you know, and it appears to be adoration of this wonderful mosque that he's viewing. Uh, he's got all these people escorting him around, and uh, this is from the Associated Press, this news clip that we're watching here, and it's, it's you know, it's just unbelievable. Okay, now Obama sides with Islam. 
Presidential candidate Barack Obama is trying to change political fashion. He gave a speech in Iowa City today, and he wasn't wearing an American flag pin. Those pins have become synonymous with politicians since 9-11. Obama says he doesn't like how the pin has come to represent patriotism in America. Uh, I won't wear that uh, pin on my chest. It's a little weird, Alan, that in the middle of a campaign, the guy takes off the American flag <laughs> that most people wear because they're proud of their country. Let me speak. Okay, so that's pretty much the end of the of the clips there. I just wanted you to get a... I've never played those types of clips before. If there was any doubt in your mind where his allegiance is, hopefully there isn't now. Um, so you can understand why... I mean, this man despises this country. He doesn't... You know, he despises it. It's very, very obvious that he does. And by being able to go to Copenhagen and give away the remaining vestiges of our sovereignty to the UN, he is going to be able to use um, this severe... And I understand, he's a puppet on a string. I understand that. But I really do believe he hates this country. Truly, deep down. Uh, just as all Muslims hate America, and they symbolize it as the great Satan. Okay, I mean, if, if the truth be known, that is how the Muslim nations are taught to think many times regarding America. I mean, they've, they've openly stated that. I'm not saying every one, but I'm saying many. And um, he's just really following, you know, the plan that's been put in front of him. And it looks as though he's going to be able to implement it if the Lord, you know, permits him to do that. The next article we're going to is Trinity Broadcasting Theme Park Targeted for Gay Day. Uh, this is from Charisma, the uh, Charismania magazine, from October 5th. Members of the gay and lesbian community plan to visit the Holy Land experience in Orlando, Florida, Tuesday with hopes of bringing a message of equality. The Bible-based theme park owned by Trinity Broadcasting Network is uh, Paul Crouch being, you know, the head, and um, is legally required to drop... This probably has something to do with their 501c3 exemption, but it's legally required to drop its $35 admission fee in order to receive certain property tax breaks. Hmm. Well, so they got to do that in order to get the property tax breaks. This year, the park decided to do this to host its free day just two days before the kickoff of Orlando's Come Out, Orlando's, quote, Come Out with Pride Week for the gay, lesbian, and transgendered communities. Yeah, all you up there, if, if there's people up there listening to TBN, Thinking, and a lot of people do. They they listen to TBN and they think, well, you know, this is I've got godly things going on in my house twenty four seven. They leave it on all the time. It, it's not the case, okay? It's an abomination in the sight of God. That un, ungodly, abominable network. Paul Crouch was um, uh, I, I've reported on this in times past where his gay lover Lonnie Ford, the um, the, the guy that drove his limo, he was caught in that uh, sexual liaison with that man and they the he came to him and said okay he was a drug addict and he was had been in prison and he came to him and said you know you better pay me i don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars for me to keep my mouth shut and ultimately it came out about him and this is standard procedure this is standard procedure for people that are that high in the ministry it's just like hollywood it's just like the music industry it's just like politics they don't get to that level unless the Illuminati has permitted them to get to that level. 
And this is the very reason why you hear no warnings about the kind of stuff that we get into on a week-in, week-out basis here, because they're being controlled by their puppet masters, and if they get out of line, they will be exposed, or they will lose everything. So understand, that's the way it is. You don't get to that level of ministry and just on your own merit, or just because it doesn't happen in today's day and age. Okay, it's just the way it is. Going further, it says, Kirk Hartledge, an Orlando-based DJ, is encouraging Pride Week supporters to visit the park on Tuesday wearing red. By no means we should seek to disrupt the park's daily activities. Instead, we should hope that our message of equality will be accepted in a place where tolerance and acceptance of all is said to be preached. So come on, all you sodomites. Come on, all you people that are going to hell. Well, the Bible's very clear on this. You look in the book of Romans, you look in Leviticus. I mean, in, in, in the Old Testament, it was a death sentence, okay? And those verses are still in there. Those verses are still in there. I read this story the other day about this one gay guy. He goes around in every hotel he ever uh, sleeps in. He makes sure that he goes in there and he tears out those pages in, I believe, Leviticus, where it talks about uh, the uh, homosexual and how you know they, they defile the land and how it's an abomination to God and how they should be taken out and killed. I'm not saying we're supposed to go around doing that now, New Testament. I'm saying that's what the Old Testament, that's what the punishment was. And you look in Romans 1, and you look in the book of Jude, where it still totally openly condemns homosexual behavior, and you know that they will not inherit the kingdom of God, that God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things that were not convenient, men burning after men, women leaving the natural use of their bodies, whose recompense was meat, meaning whose judgment was fit and apt, for them, who have, um, you know, who not only do these things, but take pleasure in them that do them. That's what Romans says, essentially, I'm paraphrasing. But, um, yeah, that's what um, TBN's doing. That's their agenda. So, um, it goes on to say that the turnout for the free day, the free uh, gay pride day thing, caused traffic jams, and the park reached maximum capacity a half an hour after the doors opened. Maximum capacity a half an hour after the doors opened. TBN spokesman John Casora said the park gave out 5,000 vouchers for those who couldn't make it in the door because the park was already filled within a half an hour to come to come back within 30 days. Last year's free day only drew 900, but it wasn't on a gay day. Now, the reason I believe this is, is because the sodomites, the gays, the transgendered, the lesbians, want so badly, not only to shove their form of religion down our throat, which is, you better accept us or else. Okay, And now with the current hate crimes laws, you know, saying anything against them or whatever is really a crime. Uh, but basically, I believe the reason they flooded that park is because they really, they are so seeking validation for their sin, for their depravity, okay? And, and if any type of Christian outlet gives any kind of signal, green light on that, they're there, man. They are right there, and they're going to flood that thing, and they are going to take advantage of every little opportunity that they may have. TBN, this doesn't surprise me one bit, one bit, that they did this. Should be the Tammuz Broadcasting Network. But, um, yeah, they, uh, that's what happened there.
Now, this next video, and I know I'm switching gears a lot today. The next video, we're going to be listening to a video clip of video games exposed. And uh, I understand, yeah, I'm really switching gears here. Going from gay to video games to Obama to everything here. But this one um, is also very interesting. And I've had a lot of requests to do a dedicated study on this. And um, maybe one day I'll be able to get to that, but with all the breaking current events, there's just no way I can get to, to individual studies currently. Maybe, and I don't see it getting any better. Okay, I apologize. I wish I would have started this ministry three years earlier. I probably could have had just about everything that, that we need to have up there. But, um, you know, uh, I didn't do that, and I just wasn't in a place or a time where where I was ready, I guess, to go forward with this. I didn't realize, I guess, the demand there would be. But anyway, um, let's go ahead and listen to this clip here. This is Alex Jones interviewing uh, Gary Franchi. And um, this really was in regard talking about the new documentary Camp FEMA. But this kind of relates to that particular subject. Okay, so they're going to be talking about this uh, one... Uh, I think this one particular video game that they're talking about, I believe they give it by name, and um, they're talking about the scenarios that are present in the video games. Now, a lot of people are absolutely hooked on these things. I mean, 100% hook, line, and sinker hook. This is their world. There are marriages that are being broken up. These, uh, Particularly men, uh, you know, they get into this. A lot of times, uh, they just totally... They quit work, they give up on their wife, they get into this fantasy world that they live in all the time, and this becomes their virtual reality world. This is where the New World Order is taking us. They want us to live in this fake type of universe where they control the reality, and where we will engage on some stupid animated battlefield, but we won't engage in real life. We won't engage on a spiritual level. We won't even think about using the Bible. This becomes their religion. And we're going to go ahead and start this clip right now. It kind of starts in a little bit in the middle, but you'll hopefully you'll get the gist of it. $50,000 for a Ferrari in the game to buy it from somebody because there's only so many Ferraris in the imaginary world. And they're actually getting real dates in the real world out of this. They're training you to be inserted into the matrix. What people don't realize is that, okay... By playing these games, you are projecting some type of desire to be needed or have that value. When there's a real fight in the real world, you're needed right now. This is the real world. Here, you you have worth now. In the he, he was holding up a picture of the fall of the republic with Obama's picture on it, and that really is. I mean, this is what we're talking about today. We're talking about now. Granted, I believe this fight should primarily take place on our knees in prayer. Quoting scripture, things of this nature, okay, praying, fasting. Um, Alex has a different different take on things, okay? And again, just because I have somebody on here doesn't mean I give a blanket endorsement. I don't tell anybody to follow any man, including myself, okay? I think he's got some great information exposing and tying together the New World Order. But I really believe we've always got to bring it back to keeping our focus on the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ as well. But he, uh, he's he got some incredible information. And this was a really good clip explaining this in a kind of in a nutshell, what the video games are doing. Real world, you don't got to play a game. This is... This no, exactly. Listen, the social engineers, I read documents from universities in the 60s. In fact, in the extras of Endgame, uh, on the uh, Endgame 1.5, it's for PrisonPlanet.tv viewers. 
uh, Dr. Michael Kaufman, the Ph.D., reads documents from universities saying, we're going to have complex computer games, we're going to have drugs, we're going to have like a Soma drug, Prozac. Uh, everyone will do, it will be sports, we're going to build stadiums everywhere. And, of course, that was written about in 1900 as well by H.G. Wells. But, but you're absolutely right. They know they don't want you out really involved in the real world interfacing. They want you fully being wireheaded into this. Yeah, Cyberpunks. Want, they want you on the couch. They want you staring at a glassy box, you know, getting the 40, 40 megahertz frequency pumped in your head so that you just are droned out and you're sitting there doing nothing. It's admitted that Americans 30 years ago had a higher wavelength. The average American is in a dreamlike daydream state. They're zombies, man. That's why you can't talk to them, and they've had psychological uh, 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 compulsions, psychological suggestions. This is admitted, implanted, that when they hear us talk about the New World Order or global government getting involved, they giggle and get a glassy. That's their pre-programmed. These, these fi- a lot of this could be coming about through the sound of silence technology, through HARP, through Gwen Towers. We talked about sound of silence technology, how they implemented that into the digital cable recently. Um, all of the different radio waves and in um, cell phone towers and waves that we're being bombarded with that we weren't being bombarded with a hundred years ago. Then you add into that the drugging of America, where they're actually medicating water. I mean, they're, they're, they've actually found medications in the water now. Who knows what they're doing to the food? I mean, we've got into that in times past. And then they're chemtrailing us with different chemicals as well. Now, you've also got the vaccinations. And all of this is bringing us to this brain-dead-like state where we can be the ultimate sheeple people that are easy to manipulate and control. And this is a big reason, again, why the church is in the shape that it's in as well. I mean, not to mention all the other things that we've talked about. Films that we've created here... This is, they go into the matrix and deprogram. It's red pills. Shock therapy. It's like, boom, here it is. And that's what your films did to me, Alex, is it, it put me up against the wall and made me... You were a risk management guy for a big company making a lot of money, and you got deprogrammed, didn't you, Francie? Yes, I did. Now look at you. <laughs> You've done well, my apprentice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord John. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to actually have a Lord on soon here on the show. Um, all right. Here's Eve, folks. Now, now here it talks about how you have value, how you change things, how you have power by one decision you make in the video game by blasting a pirate ship, a, a pirate spaceship. But when you read the game, it's like your life is not going to have value. And so I started looking at other simulation games. It's all the same. And you have millions of people in some cases with World of Warcraft and all this with, and, and, and all these Marine Corps games which the Pentagon admits they're funding to then program you, where they admitted that the simulators in the games are exactly the same as real Predator drones. So now you're blowing up real people on the ground. I've played, I've played uh, games where I'm controlling a part of a, 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 an elite military squadron, and there's people playing connected on the Internet in, in their own homes. And they're all running around this virtual world. No, no, that's the game. Uh, world of Warcraft has three, four million. There's all these other games. Well, Call of Duty or one of those games. Here, where you torture people and kill them now and kill civilians. And then again, it dehumanizes all these simulated murders. That's why folks 50 years ago got scared or they saw a simulated murder on TV. Now they don't care if humans are dying, but they see a dog die simulated. People freak out because the dog still has value. Humans have been dehumanized. Here is the game trying to suck your soul. The game is Eve. Here's the game trying to suck your soul. There's all these men who have addictions, don't even have time with their wife or kids. They quit their jobs to play these games because this is where they have value. This is where they're a starship commander. 
Instead of in the real world with world government poisoning your water supply, you're in the middle of a real operation. We're fighting for our lives. People are being killed and set up over this. And, oh, no, I don't want to be in the real world. I want to fly around in my little fake spaceship or as a big giant goblin, World of Warcraft. You know, I mean, it's total crap. Here it is. T for violence. Crank it up. In chaos theory, there's a concept known as sensitive dependence on initial conditions. Most people call it the butterfly effect. In EVE, we call it the sandbox. Let's say this is you. One lone wolf flying a starship in the far reaches of space. And in your travels, you encounter this. A defenseless mining barge under attack by pirates. You have a split second to make a choice. Without your help, the miner doesn't stand a chance. You decide to be the hero and succeed in driving the raiders away. The victim is thankful, and in the conversation that follows, a friendly gang that was on its way to help finally arrives. Grateful for your assistance, they invite you to fly with them. As it turns out, that gang was on its way to regroup with more patrols, who are all members of the same corporation, which happens to be part of an alliance of corporations that is currently at war with another alliance, whose patrols have just spotted the one you're flying with right now. Your decision to help that miner led to this moment. An epic battle between thousands of players and the chance to share that experience with new friends that you might have for the rest of your life. Hundreds of thousands of people could hear about this battle. Why so many? Because it all happened in one universe. Not in separate realms. Just one big sandbox. Where the actions of one person can resonate throughout the entire game world. In EVE, the choices you make shape the outcome of events. You could have helped those pirates, or just flown on by. What matters most is that the experience was emergent, unscripted, because in the sandbox, all player actions, no matter how subtle or bold, always have an impact. Imagine what you could become a part of. Being in the right place, at the right time, could touch the lives of more than 300,000 people in 230 countries around the world. Touch the lives of 300,000 people? You're not touching... Again, this is a total lie that they're living. Total... This is worthless. As a Christian, the Bible says our life is not our own, but we are bought with a price. What an absolute, total, abominable waste of time playing this satanic, stupid game like this, thinking that you're making a difference. Is this their version of making a difference? Maybe they think, well, I don't got to do anything because I'm making a difference in this video game. Like, any of that is going to matter. None of this matters. It's, it's a bunch of garbage. Welcome to EVE Online. The universe is yours. So this puts you into a false virtual reality where anybody who wants to be involved, anybody that wants to help, 
You're not in the real world as Gore's dual role in Spotlight, goad for cause and investor, how he's making all the money off enslaving you and your family. They're poisoning your water supply to brain damage you. It's admitted, but you don't care about fighting someone poisoning you. You want to go play Starship Commander when the elite actually plan to block off new technological development, freeze us here, one-child policy, exterminate most of us, and then the elite, they go to the real stars, while we all sit here getting euthanized, playing games, going hooked into a matrix. This is how we're being inserted into the matrix. And that's what the matrix is, is predictive programming. How were the people inserted into the matrix? They were offered a false reality when the guy says, I don't want to remember nothing. Pay me off. I want to be a movie star in the false reality. Well, in these false realities, you are a movie star. They have games where you're a movie star with hundreds of thousands of other jackasses. <laughs> You know, um, I don't play those games, but I can understand the the appeal that people have because yeah, you don't go out. You're not supposed to go out and talk to your neighbors. But you can go out and talk to your neighbors and fight the goblin fleet online. Online, just don't go outside your house. That's right, because you know if you go outside your house and talk to them, and you're you're uh, perhaps going to transmit a little bit of truth uh, from from one to the other. But Ooh, that's bad. You don't do that, but you can be a space commander. Yeah, you, you can you can leak. Give me a twenty-five foot goblin. You can leak secrets to uh, you know be a spy for you know for some online game. But you know, don't whatever you do, don't burn a copy of this DVD and, and don't pass it off to your friends because that would be real. Yeah, and we can't have that. Yeah, you might actually affect something in the real world. You might actually have worth, value. You might actually have a soul. Let's talk to somebody who disagrees. Rick in the Bahamas. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, the, I, I, no, I don't hear you. It's, it's very strange. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, go uh, ahead. Yeah, um, I, I just want to, well, thanks for taking my call. I'm, I want to tell you that, you know, I, 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 I you know, I respect the show and I, I think it's great. Okay, job, what do you disagree you with? That's fine. You don't have to say you respect it. Go ahead. Okay, it's, uh, the, 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 the gold prices that Ted has on francs and sovereigns are always more expensive than you can get. From, uh, I won't say that. Okay, um, that's that's the end there. He gets into something that's totally off tangent there. But anyway, hopefully you've got the the gist of what they're trying to do with these video games and how they're trying to um, uh, to use it to manipulate. And again, it's something I really want to do a study on. I've had several requests to do study on World of Warcraft, um, but. The way that the current events are coming at me and the way that I'm being bombarded with emails right now and the way the list, my, my email lists are growing, even though they're being heavily censored, um, you know, this is beyond a full-time job for me r r right now. And, um, uh, I, again, I want to thank those that are, you know, praying for this ministry, that have sent, um, you know, donations in. I, 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 uh, I, I just thank God, you know, that... Um, that we've been able to, to go forth and, and to pre present this. Um, but the next story that we're going to get into is entitled, Very Chip Buys the Steel Vault, changes the name changes their name to Positive ID, and it creates a micro-implant health record credit core empire. Uh, this is from an announcement from Verichip, which are the ones that are most likely going to, you know, Digital Angel, Verichip, they're the ones that are most likely going to make the mark of the beast that we talk about in Revelation. The company that markets a microchip implant that links to your online health records has acquired Steel Vault, a credit monitoring and anti-identity theft company. Now, we just talked about in times past where 
Verichip, uh, Digital Angel, is linked up now with Raytheon, which is the wor- which is America's largest defense contractor. Now, Verichip is linking up with Steel Vault, which is a credit monitoring and anti-identity theft company. Now, if you think about it, if you're going to have this one-world microchip that's going to be implanted in the right hand or in the forehead, you're going to have. It just can't be one uh, a one-dimensional type of chip. There has to be a lot of different applications for this. It has to be tied into your finances. It has to be tied into your health records. It needs to be tied into all of your information. And this is why I believe they've acquired the Steel Vault this crediting, monitoring, and anti-identity uh, theft company. The combined company will now operate under a new name called Positive ID. So Verichip, it sounds, is, is going to change their name to Positive ID. Now, there's an ad that Verichip just came out with, and we're gonna, it's just a minute long. We're going to play that as well, where we're going to hear about, uh, they've got this ad running on TV, and uh, we're going to go ahead... And play this right now. And in this ad, uh, what they're doing is they're confirming their critics' worst fears. Just going to read you the, the start of this article. Uh, Verichip's TV ad for its HealthLink implantable microchip that connects you to your online medical records has spawned a backlash on YouTube. Observers regarded as either President Obama's secret Nazi plan to enslave us all or the sign of a coming antichrist. Well, I'd say it's probably a combination of both. Uh, the ad itself comes on like a drug advertisement does. Healthy, smiling, middle-aged people describing the things that in life they are thankful for. But to give Verichip's critics some credit, the ad clearly positions Verichip as the something for everyone. Not merely patients who are so deranged and damaged that, might, that having a chip might... Um, deranged or damaged, that having a chip to transmit accurate data might be useful. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip right here, and we're going to take a look at this. Okay, now we're going to start out, what they're doing when they start out in this commercial is they show this woman holding up the microchip, this, I don't know, centimeter long microchip in her between her fingers, and she says, to think, think that something... So small connects you, and then we go from there. Understand everything they're talking about in this ad is regarding the very chip. To think something so small can connect you to everything that matters. When your life and all you love are on the line, HealthLink is always with you. When every second counts in the emergency room, Providing immediate access to your medical records. Okay, so again, they got this guy in the operating table doing life-saving ser- surgery, and then they have their scanner, and it scans the microchip, which ends up saving the guy's life. So they can have an OnStar in your car, which is like having Big Brother ride with you constantly. They can constantly monitor your conversations. They can shut your car off at any time they feel fit with OnStar, just so you know that. But, see, the ends justify the means because, well, if I get into an accident, then I can hit OnStar. Well, you're going to have to make that decision, you know, where do you draw the line? Let's, let's go further. Because Bob has trouble remembering all his medications. And, again, we had talked about in the previous studies where they've got the new, um, the new chip, the new, actually, pills that are actually microchipped. 
and um, uh, then the Novartis chip implant text your phone when you need another pill. Because, see, they got to keep us heavily medicated because that's part of the whole pharmacia <laughs> sorcery thing that Revelation talks a lot about. And, you know, through, the, through his sorceries and through the pharmacia, they're going to deceive mankind. And people that are drugged out are much more susceptible to what is coming. People that are level-headed, clearly thinking, are going to, would pose much more of a problem to the coming New World Order than somebody who is drugged out of their mind on multiple medications that have multiple different side effects. And again, the root word for sorcery in the Bible is pharmakia. I've done a whole huge study on that. You can look up on the Sermon Audio homepage under Scott A. Johnson. Let's go further. Because I'm in love with my kids' kids. Because my car lost control while driving. Because now I'm looking out for both of us. Because I have diabetes, but it doesn't have me. Because I spend my life in the ER trying to save yours. See, the ends always justify the means to these devils. So that was that was Verichip's latest commercial, very much like the drug pharmaceutical ads that you see now a lot on TV. Uh, just absolute sickening, nauseating stuff that we're talking about here. Um, the, the going back to this um, this combining of companies that we were just talking about, where we have Steel Vault joining with Verichip, the all stock transaction will leave the new company, Positive ID, in charge of a burgeoning empire of identity, health, and microchip implantable businesses that will only encourage its critics. Um, BNET previously noted that some regard the company as part of a prophecy of the book of Revelation because the HealthLink chip carries an RFID number that can be used both as money and proof of ID. Okay, so people email me and they're like, well, is the national ID card the mark of the beast? Is the social security number? No, the mark of the beast is when you're going to have that thing in your right hand or your forehead and you're not going to be able to buy, sell, or trade without it. The Bible's very clear on that. So just understand that. that you know, that's the, I'm not saying those other things aren't evil, but I'm saying they're not the, technically the mark of the beast that the Bible talks about. And if you want to know more about that, just go to my keyword search box on Sermon Audio and key in the word mark. And you'll find it. Um, so, some regard the company as part of the prophecy in the book of Revelation uh, because of the RFID number or as part of President Obama's secret Nazi plan to enslave America. The most obvious criticism to be made is the deal that potentially allows positive ID to link or cross-check patients' health records from the health chip to people's credit scores. That's another big thing they're wanting to get into. Now, another thing. This is just came out. This was on November 13th, which was entitled Microchipping Included in the Healthcare Bill. It just came out. Buried deep within the over 1,000 pages of massive U.S. healthcare bill in the non-discussed section titled, subtitle C-11, section 2521, National Medical Device Registry, which states its purpose as, quote, the Secretary shall establish a national medical device registry to facilitate analysis of post-market safety and outcomes of data on each device that, A, 
is or has been used in or on a patient, B, is a class 3 device, or C, class 2 device that is implantable. In the real world speak, not in legalese like we just read, according to this report, this new law, when fully implemented, provides the framework for making the United States the first nation in the world to require each and every one of its citizens to have implanted in them a radio frequency identification RFID microchip for the purposes of controlling who is or who isn't allowed medical care in their country. This is the brave new world. This is change you can believe in, according to Obama and his puppet masters. Next article. UK starts study on using human DNA in animals. This is by Maria Ching of the Associated Press in London. British scientists begin a new study on Tuesday to consider how human DNA is used in animal experiments and to determine what boundaries of such controversial science might be. Though the experts have been swapping human and animal DNA for years, like replacing animal genes with human genes, or growing human organs in animals, yeah, they're doing that. Scientists at the Academy of Medical Sciences want to make sure the public is aware of what is happening in laboratories before proceeding further. This... Guy, uh, Robert, Robin, no, I'm sorry, probably a woman, Robin Lovell Badge, who is a stem cell expert at Britain's National Institute for Medical Research, says, this is a great quote, it sounds yucky, but it may be well worth doing if it's going to lead to a cure for something horrible. Wow, how intelligent. What a quote. Um, so, I know it sounds yucky, us growing human body parts in or on animals. But, hey, the ends always justify the means, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. As long as we can get a cure for something in, uh, something terrible. Now, there's already cures to a virtually every single thing out there. A lot of the, what we have now has been created through vaccinations, through the chlorination of water, through the fluoridation of water, through all the chemicals that they expose us to, up to 75,000 on a daily basis, according to EPA, and it's probably far beyond that now, the vast majority of them being cancer-causing. You name it. They're chemtrailing us. They're doing all of the stuff with electromagnetic radiation that we just mentioned, with cell phone towers, Gwen, harp towers, sound of silence technology. There's, you know, all kind of outgassing that takes place and... Uh, plastics and paints and things of this nature, there's there's thousands and thousands of ways that, that you could literally succumb to this stuff. Okay? But uh, as, as usual, they create the problem and then they create the solution. And this is their version. Scientists have also tried to go, grow human organs in animals that could one day be transplanted back into humans. How sickening. Like a mouse onto whose back scientists grew a human ear. Ear. E-A-R. Now, I don't know, I've seen, there's pictures of this mouse up on the internet, you can see it, and it's a mouse, and he's got this pink human ear growing out of its back. I'm serious. This isn't something that I'm making up. Just do a keyword search on YouTube, and I'm sure you'll find it. Mouse with human ear. I mean, it's just like Satan. He just wants to corrupt the seed of mankind, which is exactly what Genesis 6 was all about. He's always trying to corrupt the seed of mankind. We're created in God's image, and he's always trying to corrupt it. Okay, And this is exactly no different than that. So they go on to end it by saying there are good reasons for doing this, but it may upset some people. Oh yeah, it should upset all of us as born-again Bible-believing Christians. 
Okay, so along the lines of talking about uh, DNA, uh, have you heard about these new um, airport scanners that they got now? I, I'm, I'm done flying. <laughs> I mean, b- regarding Big Brother, you know, the, the airports seem to be the place where they really are conditioning us most of all about accepting the whole concept of absolute total loss of privacy, total control over your person, and um, it's just getting worse and worse and worse at these airports. The latest story is airport security x-ray machines actually tear apart your DNA. Just so you know, the latest airport security trend is the backscatter x-ray machine. Touted as a powerful way to virtually frisk a traveler for contraband without the embarrassment of a strip search. Though touted as completely safe because of the level of radiation is so low, supposedly, travelers have been nervous about these devices, and not just because it shows off the outline of their private parts to the people manning the machines. I mean, it's like, literally, it's like strip, it's like pornography. They look right through your clothes and they're looking right at your body. This is children, men, women, everybody included. Okay, so if that's not a violation of privacy, I don't know what is. But... Um, the because they remain um, that's one of the reasons people don't like them but the other is because they remain scared of the health problems that they might propose looks like a little healthy paranoia m- might have been a good thing while the contra- conventional wisdom was held that the so called terahertz radiation upon which backscatter x-ray machines are based is harmless because it doesn't carry enough energy to do cellular or genetic damage New research suggests that that may be completely wrong. Well, I, I guarantee you it is completely wrong. Anything that can take an x-ray of yourself is doing damage to your DNA. Now, x-rays do damage to your DNA, okay? But I believe this machine goes way, way beyond that. Specifically, researchers have found that terahertz radiation may interfere directly with DNA. Although the force generated is small, the waves have been found to unzip double-stranded DNA, which is basically like the blueprint of everything about us is in our DNA. And remember, I've talked a lot in recent weeks about DNA and how, you know, Satan is always trying to corrupt the seed. Well, what's the basis for our seed? It's DNA. And we keep hearing story after story after story about the corruption of our DNA. It's just, you know, it's a lot of confirming stuff here. Um... They found that these waves can unzip double-stranded DNA, creating bubbles in the double strand that could significantly interfere with processes such as gene expression and DNA replication. Sounds like another way to sterilize us. So if, if you're not going to take the vaccine, you can go through one of these things and you know probably have all kind of uh, horrific problems develop as a result of this. Um, and you know it's another way that can make you sterile as well. There's a lot of different ways they're trying to sterilize the population. Um, next article, church money giveaway, pastor fills cash prizes with, he fills cash prizes to fill the pews in a slip. And I don't know exactly where this is at, but it's in America. Uh, Reverend, the Bible says, call, you know, no man father. Okay. But your father in heaven and the Bible only refers to the title of Reverend is holy and Reverend is he in the Bible where we're talking about God. So, no man should be called reverend. That's a title exclusively that should be reserved for God. Okay? So, you know, we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, is as a filthy rag. 
I'm not going to go around calling myself reverend, okay? I, I'm sorry, I think it's a totally unbiblical term, and I've done a whole teaching on that that you can key in. Just key in the word reverend in the search box <laughs> on the homepage. But anyway, Reverend Dan Willis. I'm t- sorry, this guy looks like... He looks like oil can Harry, kind of. Uh, he just it looks really slimy, this guy. Okay, doesn't surprise me one bit that that he's trying to pull this. Uh, just all I have to do is take one look at this guy to know this. I was showing Nonette and Taylor a picture of this guy. He's got his real expensive watch on and his cufflinks, and he's dressed real corporate casual for his church services. It looks like in the background, it looks like a Halloween theme. Um, looks like cobwebs and stuff. He was probably getting done with his Halloween party. And he's got this box. It says, what's in the box? And it's got this silver box, and supposedly it's filled with money. And he's got his spiked hairdo. And, I mean, the guy, sorry, but he he, he looks totally slimy. And, and, he, and he is. I mean, obviously, all we have to do is look at the story to know that. So it goes further, and it says, Lighthouse Church of All Nations... Aslip, A-L-S-I-P, Alsip, I'm sorry. The congregation could get more than just a prayer at the Sunday morning services. If a lucky or blessed or highly favored churchgoer sits in the right seat, they can receive a cash prize. It's like playing a lottery, you know? It's essentially like going to church and playing the lottery, you know? You know, you're gambling. Uh, at each of these three Sunday services, Reverend Dan Willis pulls a number of one of the seats from a bag, and the worshiper in that seat wins a cash prize. Two of the churchgoers win $250. A third gets 500 The church gives away $1,000 each Sunday, Willis says. Willis concedes the cash prize is a gimmick to fill the pews. I mean, you know, hey, it's it's church is a business. That's what the church is. It's a business. It's nothing more than that. It's a 501c3 corporate entity of the state that got its right to exist from the government and via the IRS guidelines they should be abiding, which tells them essentially what they can and they can't say. It's the way that it's set up. And the CEO of this corporation is the pastor, and the board of directors are the deacons. And that's the way they'll set it up for you, even if you don't set it up in your own paperwork. So understand, this is a business... They're hirelings, as the Bible talks about. And somebody who is a hireling has no true love for the sheep, but the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Okay? Jesus Christ being the greatest example of that. But these aren't, you know, these are pastors that have went after, you know, like Balaam did, and went after, you know, money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Um, Which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So he's he's concedes that the cash prize is a gimmick to fill the pews, but he's unapologetic about the plan because it's working. On a typical Sunday, his church draws it did draw about 1600 people to fill to its three Sunday services. But since the money giveaway started about 5 weeks ago, the congregation has grown to 2500. So he's added 900 people with this $1000 cash giveaway. He said the um, the money for the giveaway comes from the church offering. So the people that are giving their tithes or whatever they're giving, their offering, they're giving it right back to somebody that probably came there just to, I mean, they're, they're, these 900 extra people that showed up, um, do you think their reasons are pure for going to church? I mean, they're thinking, yeah, you know, I can go kind of placate my conscience, 
you know, and also I got a good shot at winning some some uh, cash. So, uh, hey, why not? You know, you can't get that at any other church. Well, I guarantee you that the extra 900 people that are coming there, he's more than offsetting the $1,000 he's given away. Because they, all they'd have to do is give a little over a buck to cover that $1,000. And I guarantee you, he's probably making another five grand at least off the 900 more he's coming there. I mean, all they'd have to do is give about five bucks a piece on a Sunday service. You know, you get a little bro cream religion, a little dabble, do you? And they're, uh, you know, they're off to the races. Maybe they can go and take their winnings and go off to the track and bet on some of the, the ponies or the horses or something. Or maybe go play the lottery. Or maybe go to Vegas and really live it up. Give me a break. But, you know, this is what the average church is concentrating on. I'm not saying all. I'm saying the average. You know, and there's all kind of abominable programs. They've got automatic, they've got tithing um uh, they've got ATMs in churches now where you can go and, and do... They've got churches where there's Starbucks coffee. Oh, I think Osteen's church has that in, in Texas. they got like Starbucks coffee, goddess coffee that you can get, that nice uh, abominable uh, abortion-loving company Starbucks. You can give them their money. Uh, there's all kind of abominable things they've got going on in the churches now. No biblical precedent at all for doing any of this. No biblical precedent for being a corporation yoked up with the government to begin with. The Bible says we're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Well, how much more unequally yoked can you be than yoking your church up or giving or, or conceding to the state that, yes, Mr. State, Mr. Government, please give us our right to exist. In fact, please give me, a, as a preacher, the right to preach by giving me my license so I can preach. John Bunyan went, you know, with Pilgrim's Progress the whole nine yards. That was the reason that he was in jail. He refused to take a license. But now it's not even thought about. Oh, well, I have to do it. I have to obey the laws of the land. Not if it contradicts the Bible, you don't. Anyway, if all of this worked with the seminary system, turning out, churning out preachers, setting up their 501c3 corporations, going to the state to get their licenses and getting their corporate statuses, if all of this worked from a biblical standpoint, why is the fruit been so incredibly rotten? Why is the world and the church in the state that it's in right now? Because the church hasn't been salt and light at all. <coughs> it's so pathetic what is going on. Yet the Bible predicts this great falling away before the wicked is revealed. The falling away and the man of sin be revealed. See 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's falling right in line with the Bible. So while it can make you mad, it also confirms the Bible at the same time. But um, it's just unbelievable. The Bible says to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, 17, and 18. So... Um, Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. So anyway, that's uh, that's the report on this good old Reverend Dan. Now the next one, and the last article that we're going to get into, is uh, mainline churches use defective Bibles to approve sin. This is from the uh, Battle Cry from Czech Publications, November, December 2009. One after another, the mainline churches are ignoring the Bible to follow politically correct paths that the Bible calls sin. The Episcopal Church 
is experiencing a major split over the installation of a practicing homosexual bishop. Individual congregations are forced to decide whether to obey the Bible or follow the denominational leaders. This August, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America also voted to lift a ban on homosexual clergy. Already, ELCA congregations are forming under another denominational alliance, claiming that the ELCA has departed from the teaching of the Bible as understood by Christians for 2,000 years. One reader of the Internet article on this vote observed that the root of this controversy began in the 1970s. Branches of the Lutherans in the U.S. took two different views in the Bibles. One led by the Missouri Synod took the position that the whole Bible is the Word of God. The other proposed that the Bible only contained the Word of God. The reader notes if the Bible only contains the Word of God, you can pick and choose what is the Word of God and what is the Word of men. So again, you start uh, cherry-picking whatever you want the Bible to be. What, what, what is that? It's exactly the same thing the serpent did in the Garden of Eden to Eve. He said, Yea, hath God said. He questioned the Word of God. He said, Did God really say that? Is that what He really meant? And that's how the, Satan always works. He questions the Word of God. And we're going to see the ultimate way he does that. Um, this picking and choosing began a long time before 1970 according to author and linguist David W. Daniels he has written extensively of another time when proud men made arbitrary decisions as to what should be in the Bible his book Did the Catholic Church Give Us the Bible this is a big thing that the zeitgeist people and a lot of people in the occult and esoteric religions love to say oh you're nothing more than a bunch of Catholics no we're not a true Bible-believing Christian is not a Catholic. We have nothing to do with the Catholics. I don't call myself a Protestant because Protestants came out of the Protestant Reformation that came out of the Catholic Church. I call myself a born-again Bible-believing Christian with no denominational label on it. I'm sorry, I don't. That's, that's what I call myself. I think it's the most biblically correct position we can pursue. Uh, so he, he's got a whole book, and it gives a detailed history of one stream of manuscripts that contains thousands of examples of this picking and choosing by men. He describes how early copies of scripture arrived in Alexandria, Egypt to be studied by world-class scholars of that time. Because they did not believe Jesus was God and were infected with Greek philosophy, they began altering the text to fit their disbelief. This is where our false Bible versions, all the versions other than, than the KJV, in, a, in the American language at least, this is where they spawned from. Okay, Alexandria, Egypt. Those polluted manuscripts were the ones picked up by Westcott and Hort as the foundation for the Greek of the modern Bible versions. Specifically, they were the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus manuscripts that Westcott and Hort translated. He got those both from Catholic churches, one from a monastery at the base of Mount Sinai. That was the Sinaiticus. Get it? Sinai, Sinaiticus. And then the other one they found buried in the Vatican, and it was called the Vaticanus. They were both totally corrupt. They were both so corrupt and missing so much, and they both contradicted each other in so many places that wherever they contradicted, what Westcott and Hort, these two high-level occultists, did is they just said, well, whenever they contradict, we'll just pick the Vaticanus. I mean, that sounds really God-breathed inspired to me, doesn't it? I mean, you know. Anyway, um, since, these, since then, the translators of these modern versions took the same liberties based on a pick-and-choose philosophy that the Bible only contains the Word of God. This has produced several dozen versions today which omit and change hundreds of verses. 
They disagree among themselves and in some cases even contradict each other. For example, the NIV has over 64,000 words missing compared to the KJV. They have whole verses missing in the NIV. And I've sent this out before. It's the that NIV Bible quiz that you take where it says, okay, go to your NIV Bible and tell me the answer to these. And all of the questions, it's where they've admitted, totally omitted the whole verse in the Bible. And you can't find out the answer because they're not even in your Bible. And it, they literally skip the verse. It'll go from verse 19 to verse 20, or no, verse 19 to verse 21, and they'll leave 20 out, and they'll just skip it in your Bible. So that's what happens. Um, so there has been several other editions, which will mention change hundreds of verses. They disagree among themselves, and in some cases even contradict each other. Daniel's trace is another stream of manuscripts that flowed from the original apostles in Jerusalem up through Antioch. Copies were preserved in Europe during the Dark Ages, sometimes in caves to avoid destruction. Ultimately, these faithful copies were used by the reformers to give us God's preserved word in English. <coughs> Excuse me. The King James Bible. In another book, Look What's Missing, and I'll give you the links to these books. You can go and order them. off. Uh, you can go up to chick.com. Chick, C-H-I-C-K. Not chicks, but chick. Because you got to be real careful with that word because you could get off into something probably bad if you don't look out. So it's www.chick.com. In another book called Look What's Missing, Daniels examines 40 of the most popular modern versions to show that they are missing hundreds of words, phrases, and whole verses that were preserved for us in the King James Bible. It is understandable that these denominations have lost their way when they are reading Bibles that are so corrupted that they do not believe they have God's word. See, it, it started back in 1881 when Westcott and Hort came out with a revised version. And it started getting everybody to question the word of God. And particularly the seminary started teaching the same thing, for the most part. Oh, a better rendering of this manuscript is this. I hear it a lot. From even preachers that I respect, they'll say, oh, well, this is incorrect in the way that King James was translated. Where did they first hear that from? Did they just come up with that on their own? Or was it that they got that in seminary? Which I refer to many times as the cemeteries, because that's where a lot of these preachers are killed, in a way. Because they're ruined right from the very beginning, right before they ever ever get off the ground. They're put into these 501c3 corporate institutions, they've got all of these licenses from the state to do what they do, and what they do should be God-ordained. Not state-ordained or government-ordained. I'm talking from a biblical standpoint. Precedent here. So, uh, so it's no wonder that these denominations pick and choose verses that support what they want to believe rather than trusting what the Bible for what it says. We have a classic example of this confusion when dealing with homosexuals. In some cases where the KJV uses the word sodomites, the modern version uses temple prostitutes. Homosexuals look at it and say, see, we're not temple prostitutes, so the Bible's not talking to us. See, that's why the, the homosexuals love these new Bible versions that don't condemn them. No wonder there is such confusion as these denominations uh, when they are looking and relying on these defective Bibles. Now, just a few Bible verses and then we'll close. Proverbs 11, verse 3, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the word of God is our foundation, and if that foundation is then destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Thy words have I, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Those were all Psalm 119 verses. Um, if we destroy the foundation, don't you think it's going to affect us spiritually? Well, that's what they've done. And again, it comes in this end time, falling away, strong delusion, Laodicean church era. It's no wonder that this happened. We should, be ex- we should have been expecting this would happen. Look at the fruit of the modern versions. Has the church ever been in worse shape ever since Christ was here? Has it ever been in worse shape? No. It's never been more apostate than it is now. So if the fruit of all this false Bibles, of all this 501c3, getting yoked up with the government, getting your licenses from the government, bringing the world into the churches, if that was all good, why hasn't it made us more holy? Why has it left us in this just lukewarm, pathetic Blind, wretched, weak, naked before God's state. Look at the fruit. And then please try to justify. I mean, you, you can't do it. You cannot justify what is going on, and, and it's just unbelievable. So, Proverbs 13, 13. Proverbs being the book of wisdom, 13 being the number of rebellion. <coughs> 13, 13, in this case. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Isn't that what Westcott and Hort did when they came out with their revised version in 1881? They said, no, 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 we don't like that King James Bible, even though it was responsible for all these revivals and holiness and things of this nature, even though it's bore all this wonderful fruit. No, we don't like that. We're going to um, create our own Bible, and we're going to use corrupt manuscripts from the Catholic Church, which go back to Alexandria, Egypt, and... Um, we're going to uh, show that we truly do despise the word of God. We're going to make our own. And then they spawned all these other ones from it. And then all of these other scholars came along and said, oh, this is a better rendering. No, I like this, I like that. When you do that, aren't you taking away and adding to the word of God? There's a really big warning about that at the end of Revelation. And some people have said, oh, it only applies to the book of Revelation. Okay, you can believe that, that's fine. The Bible's very clear, though, we're not supposed to add to or take away from the word of God. And the warning at the end of Revelation is essentially, if you add to the words of the book of this prophecy, I will add unto you the plagues of this book. And if you take away from the book, words of the book of this prophecy, I will take away your part out of the book of life. That's not a really something I really want to mess with. <laughs> you know? So, uh, whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. I just believe there's that, you know, you can say a gay person despises the word, but there's other ways you can despise the word and maybe not even know you're despising it. And I believe reading these false versions is one of the ways you can do that. Maybe unknowingly. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. And then it goes on to say, But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. There's no fear of God in the church. That's why they're in the shape they're in. There's no fear of God whatsoever. There's no humility before God. They think of him as the big guy in the sky or whatever. Ah, on that fast forward show, I I had watched a, a clip from that and it, showed this woman going in to talk to this Episcopalian priest guy. He was dressed up like a Catholic priest. I don't know, maybe they've dressed that way. And he didn't want anything to do to try to counsel her. He didn't want any part of it. He wanted to squirm his way out of it because it was into some deep things and he didn't want to get into it. And then he goes on to say, now again, I'm not making a blanket statement about every pastor out there. I'm saying the majority. I'm not saying every single one. And if every and just because if they're in a 501c3, I'm not saying that means they're evil or whatever. A lot of them truly don't know this. But there's going to come a time when they're going to have to make a choice uh, to come out of that system or to stay in it. 
because the devil created that system. The devil created the 501c3 system, and he's going to require a price from you right now. And I've done several stories on this where the churches are being linked up with Homeland Security, with um, uh, all of these FEMA, these these governmental institutions. They're going to be used as areas where they vaccinate, force vaccinate people. the, the pastors are going to be spying on the congregations. This stuff's already going on. Okay, Not every pastor, but many. And it's only going to get worse. When you go to Satan for a benefit, there's always a huge price that you end up having to pay in the end. It's always more than you're going to want to pay. But there's no fear of God in the church. And there's no meekness before God. And the Bible says, To this man will I look, to him that is a humble and a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. That implies fear of God. You need to humble yourself before God. And that's just not done very much anymore. 1 Corinthians 4.33, all of these other, literally hundreds of versions out there were valid, equally as valid. How could that be? Why? Because it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. He's not the author of confusion. Why would he confuse you? You go to a regular church service, and a reg- I used to know, because I used to be there, Pentecostal church. And, you know, the pastor's reading out of an NIV. You're reading out of an American Standard or a Living Translation. You can't even follow along. But God's not the author of confusion. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't it make more sense to have everybody in the same Bible? You know, if you just stick to the King James Bible, then you wouldn't have that problem. <coughs> Jeremiah 23, 36. Ye have perverted <laughs> the words of the living God. That's exactly what they're doing with these new versions. John 8, 31 and 32. And then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, the word of God, if you continue in it, that's how we know the truth, and the truth makes us free. And you're also proving you're his disciple. What if you don't? What if you're reading a false version? How are you continuing in the... In, if you continue in my perverted word, then are you my disciple? It doesn't say my perverted word. It says in my word. It's one word. Okay? So if you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Everybody wants, even the world loves to quote that. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. No, quote the verse before it. Because that's the preface to the verse. That's what it's contingent upon. If you continue in my word. Well, you better make sure you got the right Bible. Because how can you continue his word if you got a false Bible? Psalm 119, 105, I read this, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You want guidance, you want light, that's how you get it. Um, Psalm 119, verse 107, quicken me, O Lord, that word quicken means to make alive. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Psalm 12, 6 and 7, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them, from this generation forever. God's promised to preserve his word, and he's done it. Okay, And the King James is the only one that's different than all these other versions. So people w- want to come and they want to attack the King James. The first thing that they really need to do is take a look at their perverted Bible and disprove all of the monumental m- amount of evidence proving that it is corrupted and flawed before they attack the King James Bible. Or attack King James as a person. That's another big one. And there's a whole website you can go up to that defends King James in his writings and these types of things. So, um, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week.
Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this day and time You've given us. Thank You, Lord God, for um, Your goodness and Your mercy that You've bestowed upon us, letting us come together to do another teaching, Lord. I pray You bless my listeners, Lord, and um, the body of Christ and the the innocent and the meek and the weak and the widows and the orphans, Lord God, out there that need your protection. I just pray, Lord God, your angels would encamp around about them, that your fear would be upon us, and that fear, Lord God, would keep us close to thee, that would drive us to repentance, that your fear would be upon our unsaved family members. The goodness of the, and severity of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance. The Bible is very clear on that. And I pray that they would see both your goodness and your severity, if need be, whatever it takes to get them saved, Lord God. I pray if you have to hang our unsaved family members over hell in order to get them saved, that you would do that in the name of Jesus Christ for your glory. And for the sake of the people that need to be saved, I pray you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form. And that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.